All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 210. It is opening week in NBA basketball, and there's already been some crazy games. Downtown Jalen Brown goes off at the Garden. Russ's debut at Staples. LaMelo and Ja go off. And we have our in-house lawyer, Armand Jafari, joining us to talk about the 18 former NBA players arrested on medical fraud charges. He's going to put it in simple terms for us. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, turn up that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 210. We are back. We are two days into the NBA season, and we couldn't have asked for a better two days of basketball. I have not been so excited for an NBA season without seeing a Clipper game yet, Drew, which is tonight. (laughs) Tonight is opening night. Yeah. Uh, for the Clippers, but I mean, so much is going on. We have so the NBA much- is back. It's the NBA back. is back. back, back in a big way. Mm. What a what an amazing first two days of the season. You know, so we opened up on opening night with uh, the Bucks dropping one twenty seven against Brooklyn, the second most points by a defending champ since Toronto in the last thirty five years. You and I were both texting during that game. Back, I was on the treadmill, which I'll talk about later. Oh, look at you. Well, no, I'm on my treadmill often. I got one at the crib, but I got something I'm going to bring up later in the show, which you might find interesting. By the way, I want to bring up, I have not had a cocktail in seven days because I've been waiting for the Clipper debut. I got a lot going on, Drew. A lot going on. Anyways. Back to this game. You so you're going to drink tonight, though? Oh, yeah. I bought, oh, yeah. I was waiting for <laughs> tonight. Oh, yeah. But I had all this work to do today, and then we had to drop this podcast. Um, but look, man, you and me were texting pretty much the whole the whole time in that in that Bucks game. And look, I was extremely impressed with the Bucks. I thought you had said in our text, they look like they're in midseason form. They do. Um, everything about them looked great. Giannis just looks ready to go. The one thing I noticed was, you know, it was the ring ceremony night. Giannis got his ring, looked at it, dropped a tear, put that shit down and said, let's get to work. That was last season. And I love the addition of Grayson Allen. I, I really do. I didn't really like him that much in Memphis. I think his utility the, with, between him and Connington, I don't, Connington, I don't mean to bring up the two white boys, but with the energy and the shooting um, is going to be great for them. I think it's a great fit. I think they got a lot of open looks and Giannis looks great. Talk about it. Oh man, this was this was a great debut for that Bucks franchise. I mean, you get to you get to uh, see the banner go up, you get the the rings. Which, damn, those rings were so sick. There's dude. a QR code on them, bro. You can wear it as a medallion. This is revolutionary jewelry mm. stuff we're talking about here. I didn't. Who would have thought of that? Like, oh, let's take the top off and you can wear it as a, as a chain if you want. You have a ring and a chain. You can double it up. That was genius. And the ring looked awesome. The QR code thing is super cool. Uh, and like techie, which is totally 2021, you know, that's, it's fantastic. And then, and then the game was, was, I, I mean, pretty obviously from the get go, the bucks were in the driver's seat for this one. Claxton for me, man, on the nets week was not good. That was not good. I understand why they went with that route. I thought for sure they were not going to start him and they were going to start Patty Mills who had an unbelievable night for them. It's the only one that kept him in the game, Drew. He was seven of seven from three with 21 points. And every time he shot it, it was, I don't, did he hit the rim? I think it was Butter. just, 
like net. Every single one of them was net. So he looked fantastic. Kevin Durant looked really good, but the Bucks did a great job of rotating guys on him. You know, he saw Drew a little bit before uh, Drew Holiday also didn't really play in this game. He played like the first 15 minutes of the game and then didn't come. And that's how comfortable it was for the Bucks. It didn't really matter that Drew Holiday wasn't involved in the second half at all. Uh, Kevin looked good, a little rusty. I would say that from Kevin, right? A little bit rusty. He was missing some shots in and out, a lot of in and out shots where you would, you know, I would say 10 games from now, those are cash, right? And so maybe if we if we see this matchup again in a month or two, maybe Durant hits most of those and he goes for 40 again. I still think he's the biggest problem for the Bucks to handle. Uh, but James Harden was real passive in the first quarter, especially in the first quarter, and then started to shoot a lot more in the second quarter and actually get his buckets in when they needed him to. Uh, Blake was underwhelming. The rest of the Nets, except for Kevin Durant, and honestly Harden a little bit, was was all right. He wasn't the best. But outside of those guys, there wasn't anything happening other than Patty Mills just fucking dropping bombs. And for the Bucks, dude, Connaughton, you already mentioned 20 points for Connaughton. Uh, when the Bucks have that happening and Giannis is rolling and Middleton was looking good, they're going to be tough to beat, uh, even without Drew Holiday. It was a fantastic performance for the Bucks. And I think, you know, maybe kind of a wake-up call for the Nets and for the rest of the league. It's the shooting for me, man. Every player on that court can shoot. Uh, Drew can shoot. Pat can shoot. Noara, who they're huge on right now, and I think is going to be getting a lot of burn, can shoot. Grayson Allen can shoot. And again, all these, uh, uh, Brooke Lopez can shoot the three. All these guys can shoot. And when you when you can get wide open, when that double and triple's coming for Giannis, look, Giannis was just ready to go. And I know I'm jumping forward here, but there was a statement made by Giannis, Jokic, Steph, and, um, and Julius Randle. All four victories that I watched, like the games that I, the full games that I got to watch, all these guys won, and they all had the same thing to say. We take the preseason seriously. Our coaches imp- say, take the preseason seriously, and we'll be ready for the season. And that that shows, right? Because they look, the Bucks looked like you said midseason form, and Giannis looks like he's coming back to take to to regain his title, and that's kind of what you want from your from your MVP. And another thing that was said by Molly on first take, which made so much sense, right? Uh, and she's a Hispanic woman. She said, look, a lot of these guys come from adversity. A lot, of, a lot of these NBA players, professional athletes, they all deal with adversity. You don't know about immigrant adversity. And they, she said, immigrant adversity and immigrant struggle is something so different. So seeing Giannis treat this as like, okay, we know that this is first game and it's not, you know, first game jitters, what everybody's talking about. Nah, dude, we're coming out to set a precedence and we are going to win this ball game. And on the other hand, what I, what I noticed was, and I think I texted you, this was like, there's, there's, first of all, you're right with Claxton hit the weight room. You were, you got sunned by Giannis and you will probably never play another minute against the, the Bucks ever again. Also, Millsap and Aldridge are old and they should not be playing together. They looked really bad. So look, I think it's going to take some time for Brooklyn, right? You are missing Kyrie Irving. You really are. And you're going to miss him throughout the rest of the season. So uh, I was really impressed by the Bucks. Um, KD's going to do what he's going to do, right, Drew? Yeah, Kevin Durant, uh, we saw it last year when it happened, the series between these two, it was it was Kevin Durant. And that was I think that's what it's going to be for this Nets team if James Harden is going to be this passive, right? We thought that was something that he was doing when he came to the Nets initially, just as like, yeah, I'll be the passive guy so that Kevin and Kyrie can go score because that's what they want to do. And I want to handle the ball and I like getting assists and that's what we're all believing. Uh, and he, you know, he tried to do his Capella 
floater slash alley-oop thing with Claxton. And just every time Claxton was not getting it or Giannis or Brooke or somebody was involved enough defensively to knock it away to the point where I'm just like looking at James sitting on my couch going, just shoot the floater. Stop, stop trying to stop trying to throw the lob. Shoot the floater. It's, it's more Capella. likely it's more likely that it goes in when you shoot the floater than you just keep lobbing it to this kid. Mm-hmm. I think Claxton can definitely get better, right? You see why I like him. Yeah, you see why they him. drafted him. You see mm-hmm. why like there's flashes. Um, uh, but yeah, he's just not ready yet. And so maybe that was Steve Nash going, let's see how how ready he is game one against the reigning champions. And we found out it's not he's not that ready. The thing that stood out the most to me outside of the stuff that we just mentioned is Giannis, seven of nine from the free throw line, looking much better. There was no countdown, right? Like, we're, I think that's going to be done now. Even the announcers were mentioning, like, they're, he's not holding it as long. He's dribbling once. He's getting the shot up. It's not going to be this thing where he visits all these away stadiums and they're going to be counting. I mean, maybe they'll, maybe they'll still do it, right? Because it was fun and funny uh, to do that and be a part of the game as, as a crowd member. Uh, but you're not going to have the opportunity to do that, I don't think, against Giannis this year when he's at the free throw line because, number one, he's making them. Mm-hmm. And number two, he's not taking 15 seconds anymore. He's getting them up. And they just look – the free throws look so much better. You, seven you, of nine, if he can do – seven of nine is way, way better than I give expected. Me, give me five of nine. I'm fine with it. If he can do – you know, if he can be in that 70 percentile range from, from free throws – his points per game, as we've mentioned over the last few years, they're going to skyrocket because he's going to get fouled a lot yep. and he's going to continue to get fouled a lot. And if he can punish them from the free throw line at this level, that that's another reason why I have him penciled in for MVP this year, man. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. And we're going to talk about that later for sure about our MVP picks, our, our picks for the season. But you're right. Look, when I think he made the adjustment, this is what you do in the off season. The adjustment is, okay, I need to work on my free throws and I need to make my stroke better. And guess what? The confidence in his stroke looks a lot better. I mean, he missed a couple of those threes that he took, but whatever, take them, right? The confidence is there. The free throws are there. And they're not going to clown you for the countdown anymore. You're right, Drew, because when, when you get it off, I think you're not thinking about it so much, right? We saw LeBron do that. LeBron now is just literally getting the rock and shooting it at the free throw line. Let's get into that because let's get, get into the second game of the night. Your boys, um, the Lakers are officially 0-7 since the departure of Kyle Kuzma. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, th- he might be, you know, this, this, he might've been the guy. He, the he, reason he, why he, he was the reason he was the reason. That's, look, a, that's exactly right. Kuzma. <laughs> I, I, I do. I got love for Kuzma. I got love for, I know Kuzma you do. I, I know you do. And look, it's funny. We are 0 seven since he's been off the yeah. team, but I mean, including preseason is just a joke. I, I don't understand. It's yeah. I understand it makes headlines when you say 0 and seven, as opposed to 0 and one. I know. I know the other six games don't matter at all. We all know it, that. It's just a funny take drew. Let me, let yeah. me, let me have my funny take. Look, I, I'm still going to stand by my guns on this, man. In year 19, watching LeBron, who just looked absolutely amazing. Everything about him looks absolutely amazing. The funniest was the stat before the game. And I don't know if you caught this. Right before the game starts, they post his his uh, averages from last year, 25.0 points a game. And they said lowest in his career. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me, bro. His, his lowest ever was 25.0 points a game that he did last year in his 18th year, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just amazing. He looked great. Obviously we're going to talk about Russell Westbrook. There are some things drew that I, I mean, again, I, I feel like it's going to come down to Vogel. I think there's going to be a lot of players that aren't going to be getting the time that they need. I think 
I'm fine with with passing it off as first game jitters and whatnot, but you know what? MVP shouldn't have jitters. And guys like Russell Rusbrook shouldn't have jitters. LeBron doesn't look like he has the jitters at all. Um, I did not like the Rondo and, and Westbrook thing. I think that needs to be staggered. What did you think about, about your boys coming out first game? Yeah, there's a lot that went really wrong for this Lakers team in this game. There is. But the shining lights are our two best players. LeBron and Anthony Davis were locked in, looking really good. I mean, Anthony Davis on the floor as usual. I'm going to have a heart attack. He's going to kill some. He's going to kill the Lakers. I counted, Drew. I counted yeah. 11. That sounds right. I mean, I'm not surprised. It could have been 11 in the first half. I, he's, he's always on the ground, and it just terrifies me. Uh, and it's just going to be like that for the whole year, right? right? If LeBron or Anthony Davis hits the floor, I'm just going to hold my breath until they're back on their feet and running back on the floor, you know, like they like they normally do. Uh, but LeBron is fantastic. I, I didn't expect him to be shooting this well at this point, especially at this start of the season. His threes are locked in. His form, I, I don't think he changes form, but it looks a little tighter to me. He's getting a quicker release. This could just be the first time I've seen him in a couple months, so maybe it's just surprising it's to me. It's the snap, Drew. I think it's the snap of the wrist right now. It does. You're totally right with that. It, yeah, that's that stood out. And he's he's more comfortable catching and shooting and also just kind of like getting that space that you have to give him because he can blow by anybody still at his age. Uh, so watching him be that comfortable from three is awesome. Uh, it's going to be scary when he has those inevitable nights where those aren't falling. And then like, then what happens? Right. But look, they were the best two players on the court last night, hands down. Uh, the third best was Steph, which who had another rough night against LA as far as scoring goes. I love the fact that he can't play in Staples center against the Lakers. He has a terrible scoring record against us. And that is huge. It's still and still triple double. Yeah. He, he got his eighth triple double. And that, I think that's the difference is that it, his eighth triple double happened because the rest of the Warriors stepped up for him. Uh, not everybody across the board, but a lot of them did. And your boy, Jordan Poole being- Hold on, hold on, hold on, Drew. Let, hold I'm not going to go yet. I'm not going to go. Oh, well, go ahead. I want to put on my floaties before you talk about my boy, Jordan Poole, because I want to take a dip. <laughs> I, I was just alluding to that. I still okay. have some thoughts on the Lakers because, okay. as I said, there was a lot that went wrong. Russell Westbrook is a big part of what went wrong in that game. He didn't look comfortable out there. He didn't look like he knew where he was supposed to be offensively. Uh, we did not run as much as I wanted us to. We were slowing it down. And in the half court, as we all suspected, it's going to be weird with Anthony Davis and a center who we did. We played, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan, 12 minutes and Dwight Howard, another 12 minutes. So there was 24 minutes where Anthony Davis wasn't the center out there. I mean, granted, he was out for some of that, but it wasn't he, he, he did close the game as the center, which was nice. But by that time, it got a little bit out of hand and we weren't that close to really getting it back in. Uh, Russ is, is going to be an issue. He can't shoot threes. These are all the things that we said. These are all the reasons that there was a lot of questions brought up. I'm not going to overreact to this game. It was a bad game. It was. It was a bad game from pretty much everybody other than those two guys. Rondo turning the ball over like crazy. Who... I don't know why he's doing that more now than he ever has in his career. He's usually more patient and a better passer, but um, not only did Russell look bad, Baysmore, we relied entirely too much on last night or not last night, but that was, that was Tuesday night now. Uh, and the main reason for that is Taylor Horton Tucker still out. Ariza still out in this game. I thought Ellington and none would be back for, they were not, they did not play in this game, uh, nor were they even suited up. So we saw a lot of Baysmore who should have some inside baseball, if you will, against his former warrior team that he was on not too long ago. 
uh, but he was not hitting shots. He I appreciated a- his defense, though. I thought he played really good defense when he could. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. But he no, you're- that you're you're totally correct. I think mm-hmm. he was serviceable out there. He needed to be out there because of his defense. Uh, but our, I, I would say our third best player in this game was Avery fucking Bradley. Avery Bradley. Avery who came in in the fourth quarter and was causing problems, hit a couple big threes. And it's like, wow, that's our third best player tonight is going to be Avery Bradley, who he didn't close the game in the first half. Yeah, he didn't play at all in the first half. And he it's like, signed 26 hours prior, bro. Hasn't been in a practice yet. <laughs> and he's closing the game on opening night. Exactly. Um, so Mello, you know, that was fine. He had a couple good moments in the first half, three of nine. I think that's going to be kind of how he goes. He'll have some games where he's seven of nine and he's got 18, 20, 25 points. And he'll have these nights where he's three of nine and he has nine points. He didn't look ineffective out there by any means. He was fine. He was moving the ball. I think he was taking the right shots. Mm-hmm. He wasn't forcing a lot up. Uh, but yeah, I think the biggest problem is, is Russell Westbrook's fit right now. And it's not there. And this is what I said on the preview show. And it's what I've been saying throughout the summer. This is not going to be, very easy to start. And I, I'm, I predicted that correctly thus far. <laughs> and if Russ has another bad game, guess what's going to happen? The LA media and the pressure and the, you know, honestly, the world media, are just going to keep coming down on him harder and harder. I'll end it on the Lakers with this. Buddy Heald would have scored 30 fucking points last night <laughs> if he was on this team instead of Russell Westbrook. And I'll finish with this too. You can finish Brett, twice. Westbrook should be on the Sixers and not the Lakers, and Simmons should be on the Wizards. That's it. That's all. That's my overreaction for game one for the Lakers. Let's switch over to Golden State unless no, you have oh, notes on, on the Lakers yourself. Just one more thing. I, You know, they do – the media does overreact because come Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, it was Russell Westbrook should be coming off the bench. And it's like, no, Russell Westbrook doesn't come off the bench. That's look, not going to happen. No, and these are the two <laughs> things, man. I just don't think – Look, when Rondo's in the game, Rondo needs the ball to, to, to initiate the offense. That's how he plays basketball. That's what he's good at. Russell Westbrook is used to having the rock, too. You can't have both these guys in. We all know that, that Russell playing off the ball does not work. It did not work in Houston. It did not work in, in Washington. And it's not going to work here on the Lakers. Plus, Russell is fast. He moves the rock, okay? You need to have the guys like Kendrick Nunn, the young bucks that are going to keep up with him. I think having Russell Westbrook play against the second unit will be very valuable to the Lakers. But, again, it's going to take a lot of chemistry uh, and a lot of time on the court to make this happen, to make this really work. It might not click until until April, which is when you want it to click the most. But again, going back to, there's so many players on this team. The cool thing about Avery Bradley being the, the vet that he is, and he know like he's played with the Lakers, he's played all over. Um, you know, you can insert Avery Bradley and he knows what he's going to do and he'll take the shots that he needs to, ta- to take. The other issue with Avery Bradley is he hits the first two and then misses the next three, you know, cause that's, that's just what happens. But I think they need to figure out the substitutions. If Rondo and Russ are going to be playing point guard, where is Kendrick Nunn going to fit? Where is LeBron going to fit when he needs to play his point guard position? I just think it's going to take a lot of puzzle pieces like Tetris to, to figure this out, time management, how this is going to work. Yeah, and, and the sooner we can get those other guys healthy, the better this will look hmm. because Frank will have more options to go to. You, you could see he was handcuffed, right? Like we, we didn't have that many players play. And so Monk, who was healthy out of that group that was – coming into the season unhealthy played 18 minutes and looked not the best, Mm -hmm. not the best. And I think he's still trying to figure out 
where he's supposed to be on offense to have the biggest impact and like fit in with the rest of the group. And you can see, I mean, at least in my opinion, there was four or five times when Monk caught the ball. And if he was on Charlotte, going up shots going up jacking it right but you could see with the lakers he wants to respect you know the people that are on the floor with him he's got lebron and mellow and shot makers that are around anthony davis and so he he's checking himself a little bit we don't need that from him we want him to be the run and gun scorer and i think the team desperately needs him to embrace that so i think as he gets more comfortable too uh he'll look better than he looked as well but everyone was bad except for lake lebron and, and ad that's the that's the really the story for this team Right. And, you know, now to talk about Golden State really quick. Yes, Steph had a really bad game. But again, I'm, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I kind of am a little bit. I mean, if you don't know this Jordan Poole kid yet, he is legit, man. And, you know, the guy he reminds me of a lot, Drew, because he is so fast, like literally fast. Once he turns that corner, you're ghost. Like if, if you're if your body and your feet aren't, aren't set, he's at the rim. He can finish with both hands. It, it really reminded me of Zach Levine, how fast that first step is. Right. And obviously he's very uh, confident in his shot. He did have 20, but it was the other guys, your boy Bielitsa, right. Who in the beginning of the game, I'm like, oh shit, he's about to get manhandled, right? And then that year, we forget he's the EuroLeague MVP. This guy can play basketball. Yeah. And as the game goes on, as he gets more comfortable, I'm, I, I didn't know one player I could compare him to. He was so good, made all the right decisions, yeah. can shoot, can finish around the rim. I think he took it was AD or, or Dwight. He just he kind of crossed up a little bit, took it right in an up and under layup. I'm like, okay, they found they found their dude in, in this guy. Um, I really like their team. Shout out to Jeff Crompton. Um, I, I really like the, the pieces they have around them. And I think Jordan Poole is just gonna gonna be amazing for them this year. Yeah, I mean Jordan Poole and Bielitsa stole the show. That's that's how it went. And and Poole was not having a great game until like that th th halfway through the third and the fourth when he really started to get going, which is why we had to bring in Avery Bradley, because we couldn't stop Jordan fucking Poole. Uh, and Bielitsa is playing the David Lee role to go back to the Warriors uh, like the, you know before Durant when they were having all that success. And he's playing that role beautifully. He can shoot. He can move with the ball. He's a good passer. I mean, I think I think when he gets into weird situations, he's tall enough and lanky enough to still kind of find the exit man, right? To get the ball out of the key and get it into the hands of a shooter. And for the Warriors fans out there, including our boy Crompton, this has to be a huge vote of confidence for this team. Steph has a bad game. Every time in the last two seasons that Steph has had a bad game, they lost big. Almost, almost every single game that that happened. And for them to come up against this Lakers team on opening day in Los Angeles and for having the other guys step up is huge because it, you can just see it working uh, for the remainder of the season. But Bielitsa is going to be a, a huge factor for them when Clay is back for the entire day. It won't matter. He, he's going to play with all these guys. And I think he's actually big enough like to be out there with, if they want to go small, he can do that with Draymond. He can be mm -hmm. the power forward with Dre as the center, so to speak, or, you know, flopping back and forth there. Uh, I was so impressed with him. I think, I think da Damian Lee had a pretty good game yes. as well. Yes. Uh, he looked good, but Wiggins kind of off his game. Didn't shoot that well. And, and when Wiggins and Curry aren't shooting that well, I'm thinking like Lakers should win by 30. But no, they, they held on and I thought their defense was good. I think you mentioned that already. I thought, I thought they just played hard. They played hard and everyone was seemed to be full, fully into it, fully invested already, even though it was game one. And the ball movement. I mean, watch this team play, man. Watch these guys like Steph. And I, I mean, everybody's already watching Steph anyways, but watch uh, Lee and watch Poole and watch Steph, how they move without the ball. The ball is constantly moving. 
Uh, they're getting the right shots. They took very good shots. But yeah, if I'm a Golden State fan, I, I'd be excited. Look, last night, Drew, there was a lot of games last night. The TNT games, I mean, come on. Could you ask for a better Boston-New York game? Madison Square Garden is hyped. Cardiac Kemba's coming home. We're about to, you know, this is a rivalry. These two teams have played paid more against each other than any franchise in the history of NBA. I think they've played like, like 1200 times or something like that. Uh, you got Dustin Hoffman there spikes in the front row. You've got every uh, Tracy Morgan, all the stars are out. 2021 is back. Madison square garden is pumping. Now I like the Knicks. Okay. <laughs> I really like the Knicks from top to bottom. You know, I'm not a big Evan Fournier fan. I'm not. He kind of won my heart a little bit in the Olympics. I never kind of, figured out where his fit was going to be. And from top to bottom, man, look, Mitchell Robinson did put on 50 pounds. Okay. He looks gigantic. Julius Randall puffing also. He, he was, he was. He, at he the was. End, I mean, everyone was double overtime. Everybody was, but in the third quarter, he was like, Ooh, oh, yeah, one of those, give him the deep breaths already. The, that was funny because I mean, when you got into second overtime, these dudes were gassed. Jalen Brown couldn't dunk it. You know, Tatum threw two air balls in a row. Like, where are your legs at? But look, I, I loved I loved the whole game. I really like everybody. I mean, Toppin in the open court. I think somebody on Twitter said, Obi Toppin in the garden in the open court is kerosene. And I said, because they love him there, right? And I really like quickly. Obviously, Fournier is going to be a really good fit for them. Julius Randle coming off his best season, being the most improved player. Obviously, the leader of that team. Kemba didn't have a great game. D. Rose seals it at the end. Um, I, I, I just really like it. They came in prepared and ready to play. Uh, as far as Boston goes, I mean, downtown Jalen Brown, you know, working out with T-Mac, his idol, kind of showed him some things. And and I know Jason Tatum overshadows Jalen Brown a lot when we have these discussions, but Jalen Brown looked absolutely amazing. Tatum had a dumpster fire game. I mean, it was bad, really bad. But we've seen that happen. I will guarantee you, put, put, it, put this on wax, Drew. Next Boston game, I think Jason Tatum has 30. He's that kind of player like that. But what was what were your takeaways from that game? As exciting as it was for the Knicks to win this game, they fucking tried to give this away. Up 11 with right. like three and a half minutes left, and they can't run an offensive play. R Randall, again, is just going one-on-one -on -one against all everybody, and just he airballed two shots in a row in the yeah. fourth quarter. Uh, and turnovers, turnovers all over the place. Boston is stealing the ball and getting getting shots up. I mean, the fact that it even went to overtime was pretty mind-boggling to me because the Knicks are a good defensive team, and they have veterans on this squad that should know what to do when you're up that much uh, with that little time left. Uh, but Jalen Brown was he is the best player. Best player. Uh, he played the best game thus far in the NBA. 46 points. He was hitting everything. I mean, and then again, the overtime, he, the only reason he went to overtime there is because he hit virtually a half court shot. Unbelievable. And then of course, Fournier, that's, that's the other one. Uh, Julius had a great game, but Fournier is the reason that the Knicks won this game. Fournier won it in the first overtime. Both of those teams were lights out and coming into that first overtime, it was like, I think the first 10 or 11 shots taken total in the overtime were all made <laughs> both teams. But Fournier, especially, he had like three threes in a row coming in off of that overtime. He looked great. And if he can, I mean, we don't expect this from him every night. And, you know, he, he ended up with 32 points. 
in a double overtime game, which is like, yeah, that's a nice number, but it's also like a whole extra quarter that you got to play. Right. So, you know, we can see it. Right. And especially in the first half from Fournier still feeling it out, wasn't that locked in yet and still trying to figure out his, his game with Julius, which I think will be good for them to run some two man games uh, together on the wing. This was a great game. I don't really, I don't want to be like down on, you know, on New York or Boston. This was awesome. Uh, We got to see, I think it's the best opening night game. I mean, granted, it wasn't the opening night, but the best first game for a team like this that I have ever seen in, in my time watching opening days for the NBA. It was everything that you would want. The crowd was all over the place. Uh, there was steals. There was half-court shots. There was a buzzer beater here. There, it just Marcus Smart hitting the, hitting the three to, to put it into Huge. overtime. I mean, that was that's why we love basketball. So, all right. Tatum had a shit game. It happens. Kemba, pretty shit game. Ten points. Did you see he was mic'd up? Like how how okay, this is going off subject. There's here's the difference between Kyrie and cardiac Kemba. Do you see how much love this guy gets from every one of his teammates? I'm not saying I, I don't know how many people don't like Kyrie. All I'm saying is that every single coach came up to Kemba. I've never heard one bad thing about this kid ever, ever in, in since he's been in the NBA. And then when he's mic'd up and everybody's coming up to him and showing him love, that's just wild, bro. So I, I'm really happy for Kemba to be back home. His mom was ecstatic that he's back home. I want him to have such a good season with these guys. I just, I, from top to bottom, from Tibbs all the way down to the bottom, I really like these guys. I want them to do well this year. I want them to get out of the first round, hopefully. Yeah. The only other thing that I have is that RJ Barrett looks better. He's, he looks like he's improving. Um, still, you know, a little difficult with the three-point shot. Uh, but defensively, he's locked in. Tibbs obviously trusts him. I mean, he played the most minutes out of anybody. He played 47 minutes last wow. night. I, I think he's going to kind of – I mean, we didn't mention him as a potential breakout guy, but I think we, we probably should throw his name in uh, to the potential breakout guy. I mean, he's not going to get a lot of shots necessarily with Julius and Fournier and Kemba, we assume, going to be jacking up more shots. But I think he's a very good player, and I would expect him to have – you know, a good season this year. I think he is improving. He's very, he's, he's, he's big. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's physically built perfectly for the NBA, I think. And, and I, I, I like him on this team. Um, so I just wanted to shout him out because he doesn't get enough conversation. We always talk about Zion and Ja and all the other guys, but you know, Barrett, Barrett's looking, looking up right now too. Yeah. Speaking of Zion, it was funny. There was like a report that this is so funny. A report came out yesterday, uh, people are saying that that Zion might be north of 300 pounds. I'm like, no shit. Does any, does anybody like look at this guy? If you don't think he's 300 pounds right now, you are ridiculous, right? That Mountain Dew commercial is doing him no favors. God, my double chin looks better than his double chin. I, I don't know how his agent was like, cool. Well, we're going to run this ad. No more Mountain Dew. (laughs) This is bad publicity for Mountain Dew. And he's sitting next to Zach Levine, who couldn't be like the more svelte, you know, NBA looking guy. Like he looks he looks exactly like you would want an NBA player. And then you got Zion over there who's taking up half the damn couch just by himself. Yeah, he's 300 pounds. Definitely. Um, I don't really want to talk about the Denver game, Denver Phoenix. I mean, it was cool. I hate Phoenix right now. So um, the one bright spot in Landry Shamit looks good on that team, unless you have something to say. Uh, I think Denver took that game over. Uh, the Suns offense looked completely disjointed in the second half and Denver dominated the second half. I thought it was a relatively fine game before that. 
Uh, also, revenge game for Denver. They had a little extra motivation on this one. So I think I think they took it a little bit more personally, right? Phoenix knocks them out last year. They come back in into Phoenix and go, let's shut this whole crowd up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for for as good as we want Michael Porter Jr. to be and, and, and we expect him to be, he didn't look all that good in that game, but they got it done. Jokic looked fantastic. Uh, I think Phoenix might be in some trouble if if this Aiton thing is 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 looming over their heads. I don't I don't think it is right because he still played real like hard. Aiden played really hard, but their offense in general just looked they looked either tired or out of practice, uh, whatever you want to call it. Maybe we'll just chop it up to them being rusty and it's the first game. That could be the easiest explanation for this, but they were pretty much handled in the second half by a Denver team that I didn't expect to look that good coming out. Uh, speaking of Aiton really quick, they had James Jones on uh, halftime or, you know, interviewing him and they asked him about the contract and they, they loved Deandre Aiton. I guess they just haven't met on the years for the contract. That's the one thing they haven't come by. I think they know his value and they know he needs to be paid, whether it's the five year or they, they want to give him a three year or a four, whatever it is, but they just didn't come to terms on the years. So I want to play a quick game with you. What was more impressive last night? Okay. All right. What was more impressive? LaMelo, LaMelo ball dropping 31, coming back from 16 to win the game, or the Minnesota Timberwolves actually looking like a professional basketball team last night? What was more impressive? It's LaMelo. It has to be LaMelo. Uh, the Timberwolves played the arguably the worst team in the NBA in the Rockets, so they better look good against that team. But Cat and Anthony Edwards, they look all as good as you could possibly look uh, for those two guys. And D'Lo actually getting above 20, but LaMelo ball. 31 points. Terry Rozier, late scratch, didn't play in this game. You said down 16. Dog, they were down by 20-something in, in, in this game, and they, they ran off like a 24-0 and 0 run. Going into the fourth, they were down 16, though. I think that's what it but was. But in the third, they were down by 20-plus, and they went on a 24-0 to zero right. run. Uh, LaMelo scoring 31 points, but also doing all the other stuff, rebounding, assisting the ball, moving well. He gets some steals. He gets his deflections, hands on balls on defense. He's not a great defensive player, but he is lanky and he's smart. So he, he kind of can, he can pick his moments on defense to uh, actually affect the game in a positive way. But I mean, 31 points from this kid when, and he's, what are you, seven, seven of nine from three? I mean, I saw him bank one in. So there, there was that, that one was definitely a miss. Uh, but I would also, I would, I would, I would actually say that Chris Duarte for the Pacers, was equally as impressive because Melo was second year, Chris Duarte's first game, no TJ Warren, Karis Levert is out. It's like, well, let's, let's roll with the rookie who is the oldest rookie in the class, but still let's roll him out there and see what he's got. 27 points for Duarte and Sabonis looked good, but this was a big win for the Hornets. I'm pretty sure this was also a revenge game. NBA setting us up with some nice matchups. The, the Pacers, if I'm not mistaken, whooped that ass against Charlotte in the play-in last year. That first game, you remember that? They were like, yeah, I do. Beat them up by like 30 or 40 or something mm-hmm. like that. So, also potentially some bulletin board stuff going into this. Hell of a comeback. As good as Melo looked, that losing like that, that's got to be a really bad look for this Indiana Pacers team and Rick Carlisle. I agree. And I mean, come on, man. I, I posted it on our page last night. LaMelo is just so fun. Everything about him is fun to watch. I think they surrounded him with the right players. Look, I think, I, I think. They're going to need savvy if they want to win and like compete in the playoffs and whatnot. They're going to need more pieces. They don't want to just be the fun team for the next, you know, three, four, five years. I think like 
I think if you switch Lonzo and LaMelo, right? Put Lonzo on Charlotte, I don't think they're as good, right? If you put LaMelo on Chicago, I don't think it works out as good. LaMelo works with this team that they've built around him, and he's just so fun. And and look, he also, I mean, come on, showing up in the in the lime green Lambo truck with the matching Gavinci, you know, suit, looking like he's straight out of Matrix Reloaded, right? I love everything about it. Keep it going, Mello. Okay, what's more impressive? Ja Morant and what he did last night or my boy Davion Mitchell's defense on Damian Lillard last night, keeping him to only 20 points. Actually, you can even put in all Sacramento's defense last night. Uh, okay, more impressive. We know Ja can do this, so right. I'm going to go with Sacramento, who has had no precedent for being able to hold anybody defensively in the last 20 years. Uh, so that's more impressive. The fact that they eked out that win against Portland was more impressive to me as a unit. Davion didn't have the greatest shooting night, but his he is clamps. I mean, off night, off clamps. night. You know, like that's we have book night it's in great in, nickname. We got book night in Charlotte. We got off night in in Sacramento. Quickly though, John Morant's dunk was very impressive. I I, I, I kind of that's not enough. Saying very impressive is not. An, I don't have the words to say. I need the guy from Charlotte to announce that dunk so that we all can be on the same level. He continues to amaze me with his athleticism. John Morant catching that pass, which was not a good pass, but it bad passes make the makes the best athletes go nuts because they can they have to go get it right, and it's and it makes for the best highlights. I always Look say at the Jalen Green out of bounds the other night that he caught, right? And I think John Morant is so goddamn special. I love watching him play. I mean, it's the same thing with Melo. I I can't. I would love to watch. Those guys play every game. Uh, it's going to be difficult for me to do that, especially because they play at the same time a lot. But uh, Jaw is fantastic. And that dunk is probably, the, I would say, maybe the, the best highlight dunk that we've had those, thus far. I, I, In I the 48 hours of NBA season that yeah, we've had? Yeah, thus far. Thus far. It's the best dunk of the season. All right. My last most what, – what impresses you more? Is it more impressive – that Robert Williams gets five blocks in a game, which he could do a lot. He got five blocks or Trez getting a technical for talking shit to Drake. What is more impressive, Drew? <laughs> uh, Robert Williams getting five blocks is is kind of normal. It's I mean, that seems kind of par for the course. Five is a lot, but he mm. does block shots. Mm. I love that kid. I think he's going to be huge for the Celtics. If they're going to have a good year, they got to they gotta bring him along kind of similarly to the way that the Suns brought Aiton up a little bit. Let's start to see if that whole group can elevate Robert Williams a little bit and have some more faith in him. He seems like he really wants to do well for the Celtics as well. I think he's he knows what's up. They gave him they gave him some money this offseason. He's got a little in his pockets, but he's got to go earn it now. And I think he will. I think he's going to have a game where he exceeds five blocks relatively quickly. So Trez is the more <laughs> impressive because as we know, Drake is like the nicest guy. Even his shit talking is not that bad. Like all of the shit talking we've heard, he's all like, ah, you missed that shot or you're not that good. It's not, it, there's, there's no like real uh, deep diving into like heckling that we've seen over and over from like Spike Lee, for instance. I would say Drake's much more calm than Spike Lee and, and less of a shit talker. And, and certified lover boy, he's a lover boy. He's a lover, not a fighter. I think it's amazing that, that Trez would get teed up talking to one of the most universally liked humans on the planet. Well, the funny thing about it is, first of all, you should never get a tech for talking to a, to a fan, a quote fan, even though Drake isn't a, a fan. And when he got the tech, you can see Trez telling the referee, like, you know who I was talking to, right? I think the ref thought he was talking to one of the guys. So Trez must have been saying something crazy. But 
anyways, the Washington won for their first opening night uh, in a long time. It was the first time Bradley Beal started one and oh, I guess. And they told him that in the press conference. And Trez was like, man, that, it's like you we won on opening nights like we're two and oh right now. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I think I before we end on this, I mm-hmm. think the fact that the Drake technical foul was the highlight for the Toronto Raptors is a bad Ooh. sign for the season. I agree. Oh, boy. I agree. That is rough. I think their leading scorer had 13 points. Mm. He scored 83 total points. Mm. It's going to be a rough year, Toronto. Buckle up. Do you want to do our predictions that, that you wanted us to do? Oh, yeah. You want to do uh, awards? Yeah. Since, I mean, so Drew sent me this, this uh, uh, text the other night about predictions for Kia Rookie of the Year, NBA All-Star MVP, six-man defensive player of the year, and MVP. Um, I want, you know, I like prerequisites, right? Okay. Do we have to do one or can we do two? Can we have like a dark horse? I w- I w- There's only one spot on this thing that I sent you. I know. So what- I'm okay. I'm okay with you tossing other names, but I want to pick. I want you to be definitive by okay. at least by one and then you can throw others out there. That's fine. But I want you to have your pick. Okay. So let's start with Kia Rookie of the Year. This is based off of, for me, this is based off of who do I think is going to get the most burned, the green light, and who's going to be able to put up the most the most numbers, okay? And right away, it's Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green, this is going to be his rookie of the year to lose. I think I'm not the only person that thinks that. Uh, Jalen Green is a shoe-in for me, but my dark, dark horse is going to be Scotty Barnes on your Toronto Raptors, <laughs> basically just because they need somebody that's going to be putting the ball in the, in the basket. And if I'm Toronto, give this kid the – give it. Give it to him. Okay. Give him the rock. I, I like those picks. Uh, I also wrote down Jalen Green for my uh, for my pick as well. He's going to get all the opportunity. He did not do very well in his debut. Nine points. Didn't have the biggest impact. Uh, my dark horse is Chris Duarte. Simply because just about opportunity, he's plug and play. They're not going to stop starting him. I think as long as, you know, uh, we hope Levert, uh, he has a back problem now. I mean, that kid has had a rough, rough time in the NBA. I hope Levert can get healthy, and we think T.J. Warren is very close to coming back, but I still think even with those guys, Duarte might be the best option for them. And 27 points in his debut, that's pretty freaking pretty freaking fantastic. They need shooters out there. He can do that, and he can play defense. He's going to get a lot of opportunity. He's my dark horse. And that was um, that was our boy Matt Babcock's guy, too. He really he was high on him. Honorable mention! Josh Giddy, our boy, is going to have to put up some numbers. He had a, one great preseason game. I'd love to see this kid do well. Oh, All right. Uh, do you want to go to six man? This is a bit of a homer job for me, and it's it's hopeful. Malik okay. Monk. Malik Monk with a hopeful homer. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to get enough minutes. I don't. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. Okay. <laughs> Especially after after the first game, I think he's going to get. He's going to be due for a lot more minutes in Phoenix, or we're going to be at home, but against Phoenix on Friday. Keeping it in the Homer vibe, who do you think I have as the as the sixth man of the year? Um, mm, let me think about this. Is it Terrence Mann? T Man, I got T Man coming off the bench, winning it. Um, uh, shocking, I know. NBA All Star Game MVP. Would you like to go, or you want me to go? Oh, I'll, I can go. Luka Doncic. Luka. Luka Magic is going to be your All-Star Game MVP. I'm going so sideways on this because people aren't even thinking about it. We just talked about him. But John Morant will be the All-Star Game Ooh. MVP. He will you know be it's going to be real hard for him to crack that All-Star Game roster, right? I like, think he's going to crack it. And I that think means he- like Dame, Steph, Chris, 
one of those three is going to have to get injured They're or gonna, have like a terrible season. It's that's why this is from left field. I'm just okay. saying. Okay. We got John ja Morant. You put I him like in the All Star game. I think he could. He is built for an All Star game. Okay. I think Luca wants to win the MVP of the All Star game. I think that's what he wants. And I know that Giannis is always in the conversation uh, for these All Star MVPs just because he actually tries the whole time. <laughs> he, he doesn't really get it that you're not supposed to try until the fourth quarter. Immigrant uh, mentality, bro. I think Luca is going to go insane in this in this All Star game this year. Most improved, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I'm going to go with most improved for him. Uh, I think he had a a rough shooting night in his opening day, but uh, I I expect him to be very good this year. So I think, and I think those numbers are going to really kind of pop when you look at last year or, you know, even the season before that numbers versus what he's going to average this year. See, I'm, this one confuses me because I don't really understand again, what the rules are for most improved player. Julius Randle wins last year. He went from 19 points a game to 24. So we're talking like a five point increase. We're talking one field goal, four free throws. We're talking, or, you know, three free throws. We're talking two field goals, one free throw. Is that really improving? Or does it have to do with your team, your overall game? Like what's it got? What does it got to be? So I have obviously one and then a dark horse. Give me my floaties. Jordan Poole will be the most improved player. I think he's going to, I think we're already seeing it right now. But then if you think about, and this is if, if you think about the jump. So Terrence Mann also most improved player. I think he should be up there. If he goes from seven, like he was last year to 17 uh, or 15, like we're, we're hoping that he does. I think he should be, um, he should be in the conversation. I think both of them are going to have really good seasons. A guy to watch OG Ananobi, another guy in, in Toronto, which I, I know, but I, I it was it, an it, ugly, ugly, ugly first game for him. Well, he so was, was for he Steph made, freaking Curry. I think he was like three of 14 or something like that from the field. That was, that was not the best, but yes, I think he also, he'll, he'll be in the mix for sure. Uh, defensive player of the year. Draymond green. Ooh, spicy. Really? I don't think, I don't think Simmons is going to play enough. I think this whole thing with the Sixers is just going to con- continue to evolve. And uh, by the way, I will pat myself on the back uh, because I, I was, I was thinking that he might fake an injury and lo and behold today, his back was a little tight clips his back was a little tight and he couldn't do the workout. So I think we're in for a long haul with Simmons, which means that this, you know, this list is one less Simmons player on there who I would have picked for my defensive player. I picked him for last year's. Uh, I just, I, I also didn't want to go with Rudy Gobert again. I think it, I'm just exhausted from Rudy Gobert owning. He can't the win it again, bro. I, he it's cannot stupid. Win it. I mean, okay. He might, he might win it again, but I I'd rather pick someone like Draymond. Uh, then pick Gobert, and I think Simmons would have been the easy pick. I think Giannis is also going to be in the conversation. That's my pick. I got Giannis winning it this year, just seeing his activity and seeing how much he wants to be a really good defender and how hard it is to score on that guy. I've got Giannis, and speaking of Giannis, I have him going for MVP again. Same. I, think, I think he's the most valuable player on that team. They need him more than anybody, and I think he is – what an MVP should be. I have him winning it again. I know a lot of people want to see Luca winning it, but, uh, or, or, or somebody else. I'd, I'd love to say Paul George will be MVP, but Giannis to me is going to be MVP. I agree with that hundred percent. I also think like, if you just look at the situations for the other MVP candidates, Joel Embiid still has a shot, but he has to stay healthy and he hasn't been able to do that. And that's regardless of the Simmons situation. And so not only does he have to stay healthy, he has to propel the, the Sixers to at least the top four seed. So those two things are very in question right now. Uh, Kevin Durant has James Harden. I don't think either of them are going to get over the hump of the MVP conversation when they have each other on the same team. 
Steph Curry definitely still has a chance for MVP. Uh, I would say that he and LeBron are probably, if both stay healthy, they'll, they'll just naturally be in the conversation. Or AD. Uh, Anthony Davis as well. But I, I, I agree. That was the next thing I was going to say. I, I, because LeBron has Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, I feel the same way about his chances as I do Kevin Durant or Harden. There's too many stars. It's congested. So I don't think he'll win either, which is why I think those storylines all point to the fact that, hey, the guy who's been doing the same exact shit and getting better since his double MVP probably deserves it again. And I think that's where we land. My dark horse is Kyrie Irving for MVP of the, of the season. <laughs> that's a real spicy a take. Real, real dark horse. Almost, you almost can't see that horse. It's so dark. You almost can't see it. It's, it's way back there. All right. Finals MVP. Who do you got? Yeah, this one's tough. I, they snuck this one in on the on their predictions thing because it, it, it takes a lot into account. So for predicting finals MVP, that means we're technically predicting champions, right? Because I hate that and I don't it like never, it. It never, it never goes to a non-champion. It always goes to the, the guy who wins the championship. So because of that, I'm going to be hopeful. And if LeBron James is in a champ, if he's in a finals at all, he's going to be the MVP of the finals. And I think this might be the first time, even if we lose, that he would be the finals MVP. Probably not. We'd probably have to win, but I'm going with LeBron James finals MVP championship. Number 18 for the Lakers. We own it. Let's go. Patty Mills, baby. (laughs) Patty Mills is going to be that guy. He's going to be that silent killer. You know, I love Patty Mills. I think, I think this is where, you know, Giannis uh, and KD and Harden, all three of those guys are definitely in the mix, right? Like, so if the nets or the bucks go to the finals, any of those guys can win finals MVP. And that's irrespective of the fact that they have, stars playing with them or not whoever the best player is on those teams that might win it is going to be the champion yeah but why did why did Iggy win it just you know Iggy won it because was he the best player on the floor no Iggy won it because there was uh Steph Curry um fatigue there was Steph Curry fatigue that's what that was uh in my opinion and and also because they didn't want to give it to LeBron James who probably earned it in that one even though they lost All right. So after those predictions, um, I know on the last one, I promised you my rankings. So let me go ahead and and dole these out. Uh, I had not changed any of these, even though we had games played. I just left it as it is because, you know, I like to be straightforward. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I called this before any games started. I'm running them down in order, top to bottom. I'll run through the West Western Conference first clips. If you have any uh, immediate reactions, I would love to hear your take as to why I'm right or wrong. Uh, But let me just start in the West with the number one seed, Utah Jazz. I think they'll be the best record in the West. I said that on the preview show. That's what I'm going with. Number two seed, Los Angeles Lakers. I think they're going to figure it out in the back end of the season. We might be roughly 500, uh, maybe even a little bit better than 500 through some of the first couple months. But I think we will figure it out, and I think we will be the number two seed in the West. Then I have the Suns at number three and the Dallas Mavericks at my four seed. Now, people might be thinking that might be a little off. I still think Luka is going to be a hell of a player, and I think the Dallas Mavericks have a real good shot at being in the top four this year. Fifth seed, Warriors. Sixth seed, Nuggets. Oh, piss off, Drew. Both of those teams, I think, are better than the Clippers. We'll find out tonight. The Clippers play Clippers play tonight. I don't know how you could possibly look at this Warriors team with the, with the inevitability that Klay Thompson will be playing this year and think that the Clippers are better than that team over the course of the regular season. You can answer that on your own time. But seven seed is where I find the Clippers. And I think it's so tight. I I would flip a coin between Nuggets and Clippers, six and seven. We know how important the six seed is versus the seven. So if it comes, push comes to shove at the back end of the season, 
you both are going to be making a push if you find yourselves, whoever it is in the six to seven, regardless of the team. It's so important to get that six seed. You don't want to be in the roll of the dice playing games. Uh, so that's where I have Clippers at seven, Blazers in the eight seed, uh, Grizzlies in the nine, and the Sacramento Kings in the 10 seed. I'd love to see Sacramento in play in. I'd love to see them in the play in with Memphis, with any of those guys. I'd love it. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, the way I have it, it would be Clippers Kings in the in the first playing matchup, and then it would be Blazers Grizzlies un- yet again. Blazers Grizzlies mm-hmm. in the in the play-in for the other side. There, the the, the teams are, that I think are not going to cut it, and this where this one I might be wrong on, but I have the Timberwolves not making the play-in seed. I could be wrong. I kind of hope I am wrong because I really like Carl Anthony Towns. I hope he does good, and I, I think Ant Edwards and that team, if they can figure it out, they can definitely crack in there. But I have them at the 11 seed, followed by the Pelicans, then the Spurs, then the Thunder, and the Rockets rounded off for the Western Conference. And all those teams that I mentioned there, especially Thunders, Thunder Rockets, that's going to be a battle for who can get the worst record. I think those two are going to compete actively to be worse than each other, <laughs> in, in, in a sense. And I- on the Western Conference. Uh, well, I mean, without this going to be a Joe Rogan six hour podcast, like we did last week, um, the only thing, I mean, I'm fine with your picks. I think that could work out the way it is. The Denver Clipper Dallas thing and Portland thing is just could be up in the air. Um, I think you, I think you're pretty spot on with the one through four. I will say this though, man, and take it for what it's worth. I I don't think Houston's going to be as bad as you think. I think they're going to be bad. I think they're, they're going to win 25 games. Uh, I think they potentially could win 30 just with the amount of scoring they have on their team. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. We got Jalen Green. We got uh, uh, Armand. What's that? Christian Wood still on that. Christian team. Wood, Garuba. We got uh, Armani Brooks, who from all intents and purposes, I've heard this guy's the best shooter some of these kids have ever seen. I actually went in and, and, and purchased a bunch of his, his top shot uh, uh, first moments because I think he's going to have a really good season this year. But, yeah, I think, I think you're fine with that. I think the bottom of the barrel, uh, Spurs, OKC, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, shout out to the Spurs who did get a nice big win over the team that I think is going to be the worst team in the NBA, the Orlando Magic. Almost a 30-point win on them. That's pretty bad, Orlando. That's telling. That's telling. Woo! Okay. Eastern Conference, starting at number one, Milwaukee Bucks. Then I have the Nets. And mostly the reason I think that the, the Nets will be not the number one seed is because of load management. I said that in the storylines. I'll just reiterate it here. I think there's going to be some scheduled games where Kevin Durant is not available, where James Harden is not available, and they may lose those games. They also could lose up against someone like the Bucks, like we saw opening night. They can definitely still be beaten, even though those two guys are playing. So I think the Nets will finish the two seed. Miami Heat jumping all the way back up to the three seed. I have them at the three seed with this new look roster. Uh, four seed, Atlanta Hawks. I have the Hi. Hawks four seed. I love them this year. I think they're just going to be so confident. I think they're, I think Trey, so Trey has his opening night tonight as well. He hadn't played yet. This Hawks team has their, their first game. I expect them to, to bring the same energy that they had once Nate McMillan took over. They were a different team. And I think that's just that continuity from that point forward. It's all looking up. This is where I have the 76ers in the five seed. And that's as high as I can put him right now, just because of the shit show that it is going on there. You have Embiid saying he doesn't care about Simmons anymore. You have Simmons just completely unwilling to practice with the team, doesn't want to be there. And until a trade happens, I think this is just going to be a shitty situation. 
you're going to have like in the Pelicans game, fans chanting, where's Ben? It's going to happen all season. It's just going to be nonstop. And so I just, and, and heaven forbid he gets on the court, who knows what the fuck that's going to look like. I think it's going to be even worse if he plays. Uh, so Sixers, I have at the five seed. I'm low on them for that reason specifically. They could definitely be better. If they do trade Simmons, they get something decent in return. I would be surprised if they finish as low as the five. But if it stays like this, that's where I have them. This is where I have the Celtics, six seed. Because of Tatum's game, I think is a perfect example as, as to why I think they're going to be the six seed. He's either going to be great one night and bad one night. And, and, but I think the rest of the team can help you know steady the ship for them. I just don't think they're better than the teams that I just listed in front of them. Uh, seven seed. This is where I have the Bulls. I was really close on the Bulls and the Knicks. This one, this is my seven, eight is Bulls, Knicks. I, after, after the unbelievable overtime win, it, it's very easy for me to flip that. But again, I kept it as I did before the games played. This is where I had, I had Bulls at seven and uh, Knicks at eight, both in the play-in, in my opinion. So regardless of whether or not you flip that around, I think that's where they end up. Nine seed Pacers. I didn't like the way that they looked against the Hornets and I'm a little shook on this. Uh, and obviously health is a big problem for them, but I don't think they're that bad. I think Carlisle gives you uh, some more confidence uh, as from a head coaching perspective. They should have never fired their, their guy that they fired that is now taking over the Hawks, but still I think they're going to be all right. And in the playing seed uh, 10 seed Hornets, this is where I have the Hornets. I think inconsistency is what we're going to see from this team. Gordon Hayward is back. He looked fantastic in his opener, 27 points. I don't expect LaMelo to be doing 31 a night, uh, but with Terry, Terry Rozier back in the mix, uh, this team is good, and they could definitely prove me wrong here and be much higher than the 10 seed, but I still think that that's where they end up if I'm looking around at the rest of the East. This one's tough. I think the Wizards finish in the 11. As good as Beal is, this team in general is just not as good as the rest of the teams above them that I've listed already, in my opinion. Then it goes Raptors 12, Cavs 13, uh, Pistons 14, and Magic 15. That's how I finished the Eastern Conference. Your thoughts? I think you, I think you have New York too low. I think Washington's going to surprise you a little bit. Um, I don't think they're going to be that low. Uh, I think – the Sixers, they still have Embiid, and they still have a really good unit. I think they could be higher than five. I think five is is decent. I think they're going to be shooting for a little higher than that. I'm not oh, sold definitely. on – They don't want to be the five seed. No, sure. yeah. no. But if you're going to be, you know, how many games are we going to get from Embiid? And then does that mean Drummond's playing, you know, 22 games or whatever it is? So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I just think Washington and the Knicks are going to be a little better than than you think. Yeah, I, I again, after that, after that, after that seven, eight seed where like I have the Bulls and the Knicks. And again, I might be way too high on the Bulls. I might be. I, I mean, they barely they barely eked out a win against the, the Pistons. Uh, and it was clear in that game that they chose to slow it down because Vooch led them in shooting, which is really I don't think that's what you want every single game. But they still they won it. They won the game. Right. So that's what matters. They won against the Pistons, who are not going to be good. And didn't even have Cade, Cade Cunningham on the floor. He's not going to make his appearance for another, I believe, week or two, potentially even uh, longer than that. So uh, the Wizards was really tough for me to call. I just don't know. They have a new head coach. They have all these new players. I'm just going to go with my gut. And that's what I did here. Uh, and I have them just barely missing the plan. Well, you're normally pretty good at this, Drew. So make sure you save your notes. Yeah, um, they'll be here. We'll, we'll, we'll look at them again. <laughs> Unless I'm way off, then I'll just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I did any rankings this year. 
All right. So one thing that Drew and I haven't touched on over the the course of the last three podcasts was everything that happened uh, regarding the 18 NBA players and the healthcare fraud, uh, you know, that was brought to light by the FBI. You know, a lot of our listeners had DM'd us asking us about this, like what's going to go on with this? What are the legalities? Uh, what are the repercussions of what these guys have done? So we brought our friend Armand Jafari on, who is a lawyer in Los Angeles, good friend of ours, uh, especially of Drew. Um, and we're going to talk about, we're going to have a lawyer that's going to tell you guys exactly what this means and what this means moving forward with prison sentences and fines and you know possibly what's going to happen to these guys' future. So this is our interview with Armand Jafari. Enjoy. All right. Well, I have the pleasure to introduce my longtime friend and power attorney at this point in Los Angeles. He is Armand Jafari. He's the principal attorney at Grand Park Law Group. Uh, we wanted to have him on because we're, we're delving into a subject that actually concerns some legal matters here. We alluded to it leading up to this interview. So I'm going to just jump right in. Armand, thank you for joining us, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. It's really a pleasure just to be invited by you guys and getting to be a participant on the show. I've had uh, the fortune of listening to you guys for some time, seeing the content you guys post. You guys are uh, an awesome duo, and I'm flattered to even be invited to be a a speaker here today. Yeah, well, we're hoping that this goes well enough that we will have you featured as our law correspondent uh, for times in need when when things come up, uh, you know, in the NBA. A lot of times we have, you know, contract stipulations or, you know, with this Ben Simmons thing, I think that could get pretty legal and dirty here in a little bit when they're when they're withholding some paychecks. But uh, we, we love having you on the show. A uh, quick background before we jump in. We've known each other for 24 years or so. I mean, we met in third yeah. grade. It's uh, it's pretty fantastic to see how what you've made of yourself. I'm very proud of you. I and, appreciate uh, that. And uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's 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 amazing to have long term friendships like this kind of blossom into different versions of relationships. And here we are getting to chop it up about some legal stuff in reference to the NBA. So it, it's good stuff, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And likewise, man, just seeing how, um, you know, seeing some of the close friends, our tight knit group. I, I I don't want to name drop everybody on this podcast. I know some of them really enjoy their privacy. <laughs> yeah. You know, Drew knows exactly what I'm talking about, but uh-huh. uh, it's really, again, um, uh, a joy to be able to cross paths, share our passions together because, you know, I'm still a basketball junkie, but nowhere near as knowledgeable as you guys. So I'll well, try to keep up. That's for what today. we're here for. We're here to educate. And so are you. Uh, funny enough, though, you did go to uh, some of like middle school and late elementary school with my fiance as well. So the the you know, the connection runs deep here with me and Armand. So let's get into it here. We're, we're talking about fraud. We, we've seen this time and time again when NBA players or anybody really, for that matter, that comes into a large sum of money when they're young, they either mismanage it or they manage it well or whatever. But when that well runs dry, they start looking at different options to continue to maintain the lifestyle that they're used to. And unfortunately, it seems like something like that happened here with this fraud case with, uh, I believe it's 18 NBA X players that have been cited here uh, as submitting fraudulent claims for dental and medical services rendered in order to try and get some of that money back. The biggest name, of course, that has been brought up is Tony Allen. He's the one who probably had the best career out of everybody listed here. But other big names like Darius Miles, Glenn Baby, Dave, Big Baby Davis, Ruben Patterson, Sebastian Telfair, Shannon Brown. Uh, They're but- all Clippers, Drew. We get it. We get it. You're naming <laughs> off all the Clippers. We understand. Former Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers surprisingly are topping this list. 
Um, but the, the main guy, the main focus, I think, really is on Terrence Williams, who seemed to be the ringleader, if you will. Um, from a legal standpoint, Armand, can you just kind of break down what it is that they did and what, like, how they got caught and like what, what actually is going on here? Well, that was a, a, a fantastic summary. And you kind of nailed it on the head there. So basically, these 18 players are afforded a, a health care incentive. This is afforded to both active and former players. The NFL has something similar to this. And essentially, the, this fund works as a supplement to these players' pre-existing health, uh, medical, and dental uh, insurance. Now, the way it works is you generally speaking, you submit a claim and it goes into this administrative board uh, that's located in New York. And that's going to be a key component in this is the location of where the administrative board is domiciled. And once the board reviews the claim, they reimburse the cost that was fronted from the players. In essence, what happened was, just to uh, uh, summarize it, Terrence Williams really, I don't know if he discovered it or how he came with this plan, but he found these chiros uh, in Los Angeles, of all places, uh, dental <laughs> facilities in Beverly Hills, uh, Encino, California, and another facility in the state of Washington. And relying on these undisclosed medical practitioners, they had it, it, the um, indictment actually did not reveal who these medical practitioners were, but he went into their offices and relied on basically the doctor's header uh, uh, to fabricate certain notes and request reimbursements from anywhere from $40,000 to $420,000. And it was going on from 2017 to basically 2020. Um, I believe the estimate, uh, a sum that was accounted for is somewhere in the 3.8 million range or 3.6 million range. They were sloppy. They they were really really sloppy. So they were being they're being charged right now with healthcare fraud, which carries a maximum penalty of about twenty years. And in addition to that, obviously there's a restitution component where they have to pay back all the money that they were able to uh, receive from the fund. Now the interesting component of it is they're also getting hit with a conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and that's because a lot of the communications were sent via email. And this is where they really got caught up. Some of the players weren't even within the state where they were claiming they were getting or the treatment. country, Armand, or the country. Yeah, Some of they them were in yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah, you got it. They were playing, I think, ball in Taiwan at the time. Thailand, yeah. Uh, Thailand, yeah. They were playing but getting ball a root in canal in LA. Eight, yeah. supposed to be eight root canals. Eight root canals in one <laughs> that's day. That's a major dental surgery, bro. Hey, that's a big day for yeah. that guy. He's eight root canals and then he's back on the court. Tough. <laughs> tough guy let's bring him back and somebody could use it yeah exactly i think the uh, interesting thing about what you're saying here is that this was not like some mastermind plan here they seems like they they had a decent plan if you want to call it that but then like the actual follow-through with like the small minutiae in order to avoid getting caught was completely ignored to the point where we just mentioned they made a claim for a guy who wasn't even in the country uh, for eight root canals, and he, uh, he he was starring in a basketball game in Thailand. It seems like they were almost begging to get caught. Drew, also, when this paperwork was going to the board, the board's looking at it, and words are just spelled wrong. Doctors' names are spelled wrong. And, you know, regular words, are you like you couldn't spell canal. 
for a root canal. And they're like, okay, no doctor. What is going on here? Right. And so Terrence Williams wife got charged in this as well. And I think them two together were the brains of, of all of this. And, and I, I don't know, Terrence got 230 K in kickbacks, meaning that he made 230 K off of the, you know, not even including the claims that he was getting his money back from. So anyways, right. go ahead, Drew. No, but I think that's an important part because I think that clearly shows that he's like kind of in charge of this little operation. If he's the one that is helping these people get these claims in, uh, you know, maybe even picking the, the, the names of the doctors out and filling the forms out for himself. And then these guys are receiving checks from this NBA fund and then they're sending him money. It's pretty obvious that it points the finger all back to him. And so Armand, from that point of view, it's clear that he stands to, you know, be the one that's most culpable here. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. He, he probably faces the, uh, the highest penalty. Um, and there hasn't been much information that's been leaked so far. In fact, the indictment was originally sealed. Uh, and just uh, in case any of your listeners are unfamiliar with what a sealed indictment means is that they keep the identities of everybody out and present all of the evidence before a grand jury, which is just, you know, the general public. And based on the evidence, the grand jury says, OK, you should move forward with the complaint. Once that happens, and that's what we saw around, uh, I believe it was October 7th, the FBI uh, via the Department of Justice made arrests uh, of these 17 players. Uh, I don't know if they actually got all... They got 15. I think they got 17. They got 15. Thank you. Mm -hmm. They got 15 the day of, uh, uh, all throughout the country. The rest were in Thailand, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some. But they, they're, they're bringing back here, too. So everyone got caught up at this point. And then, so, as far as what we're, we're looking at for potential sentencing, you mentioned that something mm. like this carries a maximum penalty of 20 years that I'm assuming can't necessarily be what we expect all these players to come down with here. Do, how much of like the sentencing in, in your opinion, and I'll, I, at this point, it's a little conjecture here, but how much of the sentencing do you think will be like into those maybe several years of prison term kind of a deal for someone like Terrence Williams to do we even expect someone that like the Darius miles and the big baby Davis for those guys to even catch any prison terms, or do you think they might skate off with some sort of probation if they pay back the fees? Well, you know, I'll tell you, baby, you know, Glenn baby Davis has gotten off the hook pretty well thus far. I mean, even with his aggravated uh, assault charge, that was um, basically plead out to a uh, community service and a fine. Um, similar with his case out in Maryland, basically they let him off with a slap on the wrist. I would say that Terrence Williams probably does have the maximum penalty in addition to a uh, aggravated identity theft claim because he was posing as one of the administrative managers at that board in New York that's representing the NBA. So he probably is facing the highest. Um, the other co-conspirators, they probably are facing a maximum of 10 years but the reality is they're probably not going to be subject to much jail time, if any. Terrence Williams, it's to be determined. Um, I believe, in fact, uh, the Drew, you actually enlightened me on this one. The uh, case that was very similar to this, it was synonymous with this that happened with uh, Clinton Portis and a few other former NFL players a couple of years ago. That's subject to a, uh, a sentencing uh, in the coming months. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I have to take a second look at this, uh, but I believe they were actually 
deadlocked on Clinton Portis's sentencing. They were looking at giving him jail time, but uh, the jury came back hung, which means that they weren't able to make a decision on it. So it there seemingly doesn't appear to be any precedence to be guiding as far as the uh, amount of years that everyone will be subjected to. But I will also mention this component, that New York jurisdiction, the Southern District of New York, is notorious for being the toughest jurisdiction to face a criminal penalty. In fact, um, our former president right now is facing uh, some criminal charges in that same jurisdiction. They are, in as far as federal criminal activity goes, probably the, the leaders in actively prosecuting uh, uh, criminal offenses. The incidents that happened with the NFL players, that was prosecuted in, I believe, the Eastern District of New uh, Kentucky. So that's a little bit softer. I'm curious to see how this plays out in New York, though. What's going to happen with the dental offices and the doctor's offices? They should be held just as accountable as these guys. Um, what do you think about that? Nobody's brought their names up either. Well, it, you bring a very interesting point up. Um, there, in recent years, I have, you know, being in California and oftentimes working with a lot of these medical facilities, we see a lot of these sort of kickbacks happening underneath the table with medical providers, you know, referring patients. Uh, and basically, if they're trying to up the damages, so to speak, from a plaintiff attorney's perspective, increase the value of a claim, they're, you know, getting, making referrals to other specialists, other chiros, increasing the value of the damages and getting kickbacks underneath the table. Now, many of these doctors have been um, subject to some serious, serious penalties in this state. They haven't disclosed the identities of the dental office uh, and the Cairo that was in Encino, but I would imagine if there was any incentive or if there was any good benefit that was given to them, or frankly, if they in any capacity had knowledge and were actively participating in assisting Terrence Williams in devising these uh, fraudulent invoices, they're probably facing some time too. They'll definitely lose their license to practice uh, and jail time. It's to be seen, but I can tell you in the state, they're coming down on them pretty hard recently. Well, that's interesting to know. Yeah. I'm sure it has to be kind of dependent upon how complicit or not they were right. If Terrence is just like kind of going through the yellow pages, so to speak and going like, that looks like a dentist that I would go and, and potentially have some dental surgery done. And they're completely unaware. Then obviously I don't think that they have much there, but obviously if they're getting some sort of, kickback like you mentioned then then clearly that's that's pretty outrageous and and ridiculous and i wouldn't want to necessarily go to that dentist either i mean 420 grand for eight root canals i mean shit. <laughs> that's that's beverly hills if i don't know what beverly hills is that's it right there um i think something yeah. interesting here too is that kind of going off of the, the the legal side of things and just going into the like the reality of what these players are facing it was already mentioned that in total these players made over their career, just from their NBA contracts, over $300 million. All 18 in total made $343 million. And to me, that's just, that's a pretty sad story that they're all having to do something like this. That's what, that's what pisses me off, Drew. This whole thing is disgusting to me. Do you know the healthcare plan for NBA players? Like you, you, your children until they're 30 get coverage, okay? They are taken care of. These guys are just milking the freaking system and it's disrespectful to Bill Walton, to Bill Russell, to all these older cats who never got opportunities like this. 
right? And these guys who make all, yeah, there's one thing, you know, look, get a job. How about you put in that same effort, this big scheme that, you, that we're working on that worked really, really well for you? How about you guys form a group and, and make an investment group or do something instead of trying to, to milk the system that changed your life, bro? Like literally changed your whole life, your family's life. It's just disgusting. And if I was an NBA player or I was the MBPA, I would say these 18 guys, as much as we like Darius Miles, we love Tony Allen, Glenn Big Baby can kick rocks for all I care. <laughs> be allowed. I'm with you on that, yeah. <laughs> they, should be, they should be expelled from the NBA and never allowed to participate, even in the big three. Or And, and they should have their coverage, unfortunately, their kids' coverage, everybody else's coverage that they were taken care of. They should not be able to have that anymore. And maybe that's me being a dick, but I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair too. I, I can't understand why uh, the NBA, NBA PA would still be excited about making sure that they have the health coverage they need when they're taking advantage of something that was honestly in good faith put out there for guys that have sustained injuries. I mean, how common is it that injuries end someone's career in the NBA? It happens all the damn time. So it's a nice thing that they put out there. And you're right, taking advantage of it uh, is just, I mean, it's just completely unscrupulous and it's just so selfish, self-minded. I don't like it at all. All right. So Armand, let me ask you this and, and we'll probably end it on this here. What would be potentially the worst case scenario for these guys and potentially the best case scenario? You kind of already put it out there, but like, really, if it's the worst of the worst for all of them, what would that look like? And then if it's the best, what would that also look like? Seemingly they have enough evidence here where almost everyone, if not everyone, uh, maybe perhaps with the exception of Terrence Williams, um, should and will plead guilty uh, in order to get some sort of plea deal. That's the only way they can get some sort of favorable term. Um, it varies uh, on a case-by-case -case basis because, it, you know, it depends on how cooperative they're going to be with the prosecution to see, okay, well, how much information can you really give us? And the complaint, the indictment, I should say, is deliberately a little bit broad and vague because they obviously don't want to tip their cards. They don't want to say, you know, publicly what evidence and what, you know, all the stuff the prosecution has. They're still conducting investigations and, you know, they're going to be turning a lot of these players against each other to probably point the finger at Terrence Williams. And with that said, uh, one interesting component will be information that Tony Allen's wife has because um, at least in the state of California, there's something known as a marital privilege where communications between spouses remains confidential. Uh, so they might be able to rely on that. But obviously, if any information you volunteer would reduce your sentence. So there is an incentive for everyone to just be cooperative and kind of point the finger at Terrence. Best case scenario, I mean, everyone is going to be forfeiting any dollar that they gained from this. And uh, they will most certainly be looking at jail time, whether or not they actually get it really will come down to uh, how cooperative they are. I think Terrence Williams obviously faces a few years. I don't believe they're going to go after him for the max sentence of 20 uh, plus the aggravated theft. But I think Terrence Williams most certainly will be facing jail time. The others, depending on how cooperative they are, may be facing jail time as well. Um, in addition to obviously some fines uh, and restitution, which is the payment that they received from uh, uh, the healthcare plan. And just to touch on your point, uh, uh, Ian, what you're saying it's so incredibly dishonest because not only does it obviously impact the NBA players that are active and are really um, genuine and still supporting this fund and, you know, uh, uh, putting the money into it, but 
when you are committing fraud to a healthcare plan, that cost ultimately gets imputed back to all the consumers, all of us. So yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> when you follow the money all the way through the cycle, it comes down to all like me, you guys, like everyone. That's why us, I'm so you know? pissed. That's why I'm so, yeah. I, I wish, I wish I had healthcare like that. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had the opportunity to have healthcare like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, they're, they're the healthcare plan, um, both in the NBA and NFL, they really, um, are doing a, a much better job over the last few years. I should say, I, I can't speak on, uh, prior maybe five years ago, prior maybe 2015, 2016. But recent years, they have done a phenomenal job of really looking after their players. Um, but yeah, it's an unfortunate circumstance. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. All right. I have one final question for you here. <laughs> sure. Uh, I received a jury summons. Last week. <laughs> yeah. Better reply, I, I want some inside baseball here. As long as I don't want to get you in trouble in any form or fashion. How do I get out of this legally? How do I, what do I do to avoid getting a massive like murder case that's going to occupy my time for like two to five months? Tell them you're pregnant, Drew. Just tell them you're pregnant. Tell them I'm pregnant. I don't know if that'll fly. Well, you know, it it would go against uh, the rules of ethics if I was trying to you know, help you get out of jury duty. Frankly, I'm, I just got summoned to jury duty too. I'm not a big fan of it, but I do very much um, respect uh, our civic duties. I very much respect, you know, our attendance to jury trials because Lord knows I rely on us, uh, people like us to just be sitting in a jury box and making a um, decision on behalf of our community. Um, But I'll tell you, one of the things that I look for uh, for jurors is any um, bias or any, you know, inherent prejudice that the jury carries. So you, so know, you wouldn't put me on the Terrence Williams trial is basically what you're saying. There you go. If there's a Clipper taking the stand. It, thank you. My name is Clips for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can get it. And here's the thing. The, the, the attorneys are not going to really tell you the full thing of the case, but they'll be trying to elicit enough information to determine whether there is some sort of inherent bias in you. So just really lean into it. Uh, uh, that bias that you already carry, if you know what I'm of saying, course. Of and course. Uh, they'll probably dismiss you pretty quickly. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I didn't, I did not want to get you in trouble or any way, any way or form. So I'm glad you did the, you did the very nice job there. Um, it's tiptoe around it. Yeah. 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 Very, very good. Very good. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens to, to to my jury summons here, and obviously, we're going to be following up this case very closely. Uh, and if there is more news or more interesting stuff that happens in regards to this, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, Clips, did you have any other uh, questions for Armand or anything like that? Well, I'm a little upset. Armand Armand called me by my government name earlier, but uh, <laughs> he's a lawyer. Maybe, I know, I know. Um, he's got to do it. He has maybe. to do it. Hey, before we go, Armand, I know you're a huge Laker fan. It would be only fitting for you to give us a little bit of the rundown of a very disappointing Russell Westbrook first game. Oh, and we're going to talk tough, about that, Drew. Very, very tough. I'm looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, very yeah. tough loss to the Warriors. Uh, your thoughts on our beloved Lakers that we've grown up watching and and rooting for our whole lives well i know you guys are going to school me on this um so please forgive like my very uh elementary knowledge of this but um i can tell you i remember 
what was it, two years ago when um, we assembled AD and LeBron on the same team and we had Rondo making that championship run, they had a pretty rough start too. And the big three in Miami, I remember when they were first assembled, they had a really, they had a little bit of a rough start. I think it's just growing pains with any, um, you know, team that's really been dominant in their own right and then assembling together to work as a unit. Uh, But I'll tell you, I've never been the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, man. I got to tell you, I admire his game. I respect his game, but I think there are better PGs out there. And, um, you know, I'm rooting for him. I want to be a fan of him because he's in uh, our purple and gold jerseys now. But yeah, I'm just hopeful. Let's put it that way. I'm hopeful. (laughs) Buddy Heald is looking a lot better right now. I got to tell you that. Buddy Heald, that first trade is looking real damn good right now. We could have put that in the books. Um, All right, man. I do appreciate you again. Real quick before we go, I want to make sure that you're shouting out your your squad and, and your team over there. Uh, how can people reach out to you if they are interested in your services? If you guys ever want to contact me for any legal needs, I can be reached directly at my email address, which is A-J-A-A-F-A-R-I at grand, G-R-A-N-D, P-A-R-K, law.com. Our website is grandparklaw.com. And our phone number is 310-810-0966. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Awesome interview. There you go, guys. There is a lawyer. That's what's going to happen. I think these guys should be under the jail, never never being able to participate in NBA events again. Uh, Drew, I'm sure you feel kind of the same way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it'll be interesting to see this thing unfold, uh, but I, I definitely appreciate getting the legal side kind of mapped out for us because I didn't, I didn't necessarily think, you know, when you see something like $3.9 million dollars in question you go okay that seems like a lot of money but like to hear the maximum sentencing for this guy could be 20 years or or you know potentially more if they convict him of all the different things he's going to be charged with uh this could get really out of hand for him in particular and for for terrence who i'm talking about terrence williams uh, but yeah, man, that was that was a fun interview with my with my good friend, man. I'm glad he came on. I think the best thing that happened to Terrence Williams and the rest of these guys involved was if this happened two months ago, this would be the biggest story in sports. But then de- immediately following this break, you know, we have the Ben Simmons drama, we have the Kyrie drama, and it kind of got swept under the rug. But this is extremely serious. These guys really messed up and and uh, we're going to see what happens in the following months. So uh, again, Drew, this is our second pod. We have a lot to talk about. It's again, turned from light to dark. Uh, One of our boys, basketball Jones had told me it took him four days to listen to our last podcast. So we're going to keep this one really, really quick. As far as our final thoughts, Drew, the people want to know about the golf trip. What did you shoot? Oh man, the golf trip was a blast. uh, First and foremost, Bend, Oregon, go visit and everybody out there, go visit Bend, Oregon. If you like the woods, uh, it's certainly wooded areas. Uh, they have a, a, the Deschutes river runs through there. It's pretty fucking picturesque. Uh, we had a great time. I did not play my best golf, unfortunately. And I'm going to share this with you now. This is unfiltered, unedited. I didn't change my scores. The first day I shot a 94, uh, it was aerated greens. And so I will be making excuses by the way, aerated uh, greens, Aerated greens. And this is something that if you don't play golf a lot uh, it, during this time of year, usually in the fall, in order to keep their their, their greens uh, well-maintained, they punch them. And so there's these massive holes all, all throughout the entire green. So putting was a very difficult 
<laughs> very difficult task on this on this course. Uh, I did finish with a birdie on 18, but that was about as good as it got for me. I was a lot of a lot of bogey, double bogey golf out there. 94. That was rough. And then it got worse because I shot a 99 the next day and I had a complete implosion. Uh, I, sh I hit a nine on like the 15th hole. And that really just sent me spiraling. I was in my own head. I would get very upset when I do something like that. Uh, I ended up hitting the ball in the water and, and just, it was, it was a rough, rough day. Needless to say though, I was very hungover uh, from the first, from the first day. And uh, it was, it was a fun course. Either way though, I, I ended up winning the tournament. That's how bad we are as a group at Damn. golf, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not out there looking like pros by any means. Uh, but I did have the best cumulative record, so I, I was right, and I did bring home the championship uh, for the second year in a row. We'll see if I can keep the streak going. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't put up triple digits on that last day. I very easily could have gotten into the hundreds, which I haven't done in a long, long time. Uh, but it was still fun to be out there with my guys. Compton, by the way, Crompton, our boy, best round of the tournament he shot a 92 the first day but completely fucked up the second day and and stopped keeping score so uh he 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 actually technically i think was the best player as far as any round concerned which was fantastic i think that might have been his best round ever so that was fun congrats crompton and the two-time defending champ drewski over here uh i'm gonna tell a quick story my final thought i had an interact interaction with uh, Rick the Dick Berry. For those that have been following us for a while, we did a complete podcast on Rick the Dick Berry um, many moons ago, Drew. I forget what episode that was, but funny story. So I'm working at the spot on a Sunday morning. This little guy comes in, little older guy comes in wearing a basketball shirt, like uh, a camp shirt. And I said, what up, OG? I said, uh, you a basketball fan? He's like, yeah. I'm a, he came in to get like coffee or something. I said, yeah, I'm a big basketball fan. He said, uh, and he gives me his business card and it's a picture of him and Yao Ming, right? Yao's like 18. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, hey, do you know who Rick Barry is? I said, sir, yes, I, I know who Rick Barry is. I am the basketball guy in this town. And he said, oh, well, Rick's going to be across the street at the park. There's a little park across the street from my restaurant that I work at on Sundays. Um, it's a little tiny park. He's like, Rick's going to be in the park. We're going to be just sitting there having a good old time. I'm like, yeah, right, bro. Like Rick Barry's going to be <laughs> at the park sitting down, having a good time. Now in the back of my head, I'm saying, all I want to know is if this guy is as asshole-ish as people say he is. If this is not any new news, you can look it up. You can read it. It has been very well documented that Rick Barry was probably the hardest person to play with. He was so good and so much better than most of his his counterparts that he just, there was a season where he wore a wig, Drew. He wore a wig in one season, <laughs> but I just wanted to know if he lived up to the expectations. So first of all, I didn't think he was going to be there. So I got off work and I literally walked to the 80 feet to the park across the street. And who's sitting there in a, in a lawn chair is Rick freaking Barry sitting right there with his hall of fame shirt on with his big three hat on. Right. I love it. And the little guy remembered me and he said, he's all Rick. This is uh this is Ian. He's the basketball guy. Rick looks at me as a, Hey Ian. And I'm all, how you doing, Rick? Uh, he's like, fine. I said, you know what? I knew your son, Brent. Brent was a good friend of mine on the Clippers. Immediately he's a fucking Bill Fritch ruined my son's career. And I'm, and he goes into a tangent <laughs> on Bill Fritch, right? First you'd like to ask like, how do you know my son? How would you even know Brent Barry? Went immediately into Bill Fitch and how much of a dick he was. So in the back of my head, I'm laughing. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is happening. He's still the guy. Right. 
Yep. And um, and so he goes off in his tangent about Bill Fitch. And so then I, I told him, I said, Hey, you know, I covered the big three the first year for dash radio. Like I, I really enjoy the big threes. Oh yeah. Fuck it. They won't let me draft. He said, they got Scalabrini drafting. They won't, if I got to pick my players, it would have been a lot better. I mean, I had Barbosa on the team, but hopefully Barbosa will, will pick better because Scal can't do it. And if Scalabrini, if Scalabrini is just going to not even going to shoot threes, why do I even have him on the fucking team? And I'm just laughing inside drew because <laughs> He didn't ask one question about me. Right. Nothing like, uh, I, you know, I even brought up the question, like, why, what are you doing in San Clemente? He's like, I've been here before. I play pickleball. There's no cartilage in my knees anymore. So it's the only sport I'm allowed to play. Anyways, it was about, we, we did talk basketball. He was nice in his own way. But let me tell you, 77-year-old Rick the Dick Berry lived up to everything that I expected. And it was awesome. I love that, man. That's that is too funny. What a small world that he's just right, right out right around the corner from where you are. That's crazy, man. Just post uh, it I, up and, and people walking by not even knowing who this guy is. It sounds like he still thinks he's the smartest man in any room he walks in. And it also sounds like he's very competitive still that that competition hasn't left him. Huh? He wanted to know nothing about me and what I knew about. I mean, we talked basketball, but it was all Rick Barry basketball. So um <laughs> Which was just awesome. Anyways, we guys, we know that this has been a two-hour podcast. We hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, Clippers open tonight against Golden State. Uh, Kawhi's album drops tomorrow. Culture Jam dropping tomorrow. Produced. He has a whole album? The whole album. Seven songs. Wow. It's, it's celebrating the unity of basketball and hip-hop. Uh, Rod Waves on it. We got Little Uzi Vert. We've seen videos of Kawhi in the studios. Uh, we this is this will be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, we're coming back, baby. The NBA's back. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast? What up? What up, podcast? You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the. Thank you.